Well, today's the day, right? Today's the day. This day, three weeks in the making. Can you believe it? Today is our final episode <laughs> in our When Pigs Fly series. And you did it. You made it. You're here. This has been all about our relationship uh, to God, figuring out what that looks like and examining the miraculous interventions by that same God. How does that grow our relationship? What does that look like? How do we live in, the, in light of that? And it's been, honestly, really exciting to hear different ones of you telling me how God has been answering your prayers or has answered them in the past and seeing miraculous works in your lives. This series has been filled with stories. I love stories. Today should be no different. If you want to count how many there are, count them again today. We are diving in episode four of When Pigs Fly, and this one is all about miraculous provision. So let's be honest, uh, right from the start, how many of you can say, you know what I'm talking about when I say money can be tight, right? You know what that's like. Maybe you're a single parent. Maybe you're not a single parent. Maybe you're two parents, and it's still hard trying to raise your kids, and it seems like there's always more month than there is money. Or maybe another side, you're, you have a relatively strong income. Maybe it's a six-figure income, and you're still working to make ends meet because the expenses seem so high, and in this season, it seems like they're even higher. So you're trying to pay off debt. You're trying to pay off your student debt. Maybe you've got some car payments that you're trying to get rid of. You've got house payments. They always go on. And oh my goodness, you've got kids. You've got kids. And the kids have got to do their activities. And you're just always trying to stay up above water. Keep your head above water financially. It can be very difficult in our culture today because money often seems scarce. It feels like it's really, really tight. And I want to walk into this message today and help bring a word of encouragement as we look at, a different, at different stories of provision. Now, the good news is that there are countless numbers of stories where people feared that they didn't have enough. And if you like to take notes, if that's kind of your thing, let me just remind you that you can do that at our website, intoone.ca, under the um, page, Latest Message Notes. And there you can, uh, you can take notes. The outline's already there, so you just add notes into them. And then at the end of the service, you can send yourself the notes so that you can go look at them for later review. Maybe you want to check back in, see if he actually uh, said what he was supposed to say. Look back at some of those reminders sometimes. And remember when it strikes you, oh, I should look back at that. Or remember when you're feeling low and you need something to refocus you. So today, once again, we're talking about something that I think is good news. I want to tell you good news. I want that to be what you walk away with. So here's the first thought. Right at the very beginning, in the stories of need, there is a miracle of provision. So repeatedly throughout Scripture, as you see a story of need, you also see miracles of provision. Over and over and over again, this is what happens. Happens in the Gospels. There's thousands of people. They're sitting on a hillside, and they're hungry. The disciples cry out to Jesus, what are we going to do? And Jesus says, well, you, you feed them. And the disciples say, like we would say, but how? We've only got a couple of loaves and some fish. And Jesus takes those loaves and he takes the fish. He lifts them up to heaven, blesses them, and God multiplies, provides for everyone, even to the point where there's 12 basketfuls left over. And we say, why 12 basketfuls left over? In my opinion, this is not Scripture, just my opinion, a little bit on the side. 
so that each disciple could take home a doggy bag, have a little something left to, to remind them of the physicalness of the miracle that they were just a part of, because those things fade from our minds sometimes. What is this God like that we're still getting to know? So in the Old Testament, the prophet Elisha, he's talking to a widow, and she's scared for her future. She didn't feel like she had enough. And the prophet says, well, what do you have? And, and she said, you know what? I, I don't really have much of anything at all. And, and maybe that's the way that you feel. Maybe that's how you are feeling even right now. She said, what do I have? I have simply a small jar of olive oil. And he asked her, okay, let's start by pouring out all of it. Pour out all of everything that she said that she had. Pour it into containers. Get as lots of containers. And as long as she had containers, God miraculously provided, and the oil kept filling the containers. From very little, He multiplied it to very, very much. Whether it's bread from heaven, whether it's meat delivered by birds, maybe it's a giant fish that prov uh, provided to rescue a rebellious man, a prophet, a man of God supposedly named Jonah. In all these stories of need, there's miraculous provision. There's also a non-Bible story of a, of a woman, a single mom, always struggled to make ends meet. So tough. But this woman deeply believed in God, committed, and she would pray out loud all the time, sometimes outside of her house, Jesus, I believe that you're going to meet my needs. And the neighbors would hear her as she prays this. And there was this one guy who lived next door to her, and he he hated God. He was not a fan, utterly hated God. And this woman drove him crazy, one wacko neighbor, drives him around the bend. And so finally one day he said, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to mess with her. I'm going to mess with this woman. So I'm going to go to the grocery store and I'm going to buy some groceries. And that's what he did. So he buys these groceries, three bags, puts them right by the door. Okay. Then he waits. And when she came home, she saw the groceries at the front door, right there waiting for her. She throws her hands up in the air, and she says, Jesus, oh, I just knew that you were going to provide for me. I just know that you provided these groceries for me. And he jumps out and he goes, ah, you fool. God didn't provide those groceries for you. I did. I went to the store. I got them. God's not good. God's not listening. He doesn't help you. He doesn't even exist. Boom, roasted. She looks at him. She looks at the groceries, and she uh, prays again, lifts her hands back up and says, God, thank you for providing. I knew you would. You were better than I even thought. You provided for my needs, and you made the devil pay the bill. <laughs> Oof. All right, that's some good news, and I want to encourage you. Philippians 4, chapter 19, Paul gave some great news to the church in Philippi. He says, and my God, the one that I follow, the one that I'm living with right now, my God will meet all your needs according to His riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Do you know that your God is the giver of all good gifts? I mean, every good and perfect gift comes from Him, and yet, before we dive into this idea of God being a miraculous provider, we have to acknowledge something that we just saw in Paul's letter, right? That's this. God promises to meet your needs. He, he didn't promise to provide for your wants. Never. And yet we tend to struggle with this idea of, God, where are you? Because we misinterpret what we're expecting Him to do. There is absolutely a difference between what we need and what we want. 
So I can remember back. It's probably 11 years ago now. 11 years ago, right at the beginning of Into One. It is barely Into One. There's a lease on our vehicle, and it's coming up. We're just about out, and we really like that vehicle. Um, there was, but there's no way that we could buy it out. We just didn't have the money. The other problem is that we didn't have a clear source of income, so we couldn't put that on a lease form. Um, no financial institution respects the line, as God provides, right? <laughs> and that's where we were in the as God provides category. The timing on this was unfortunate. There's another story uh, all by itself, uh, but this is the quick version. It goes like this. We drew new, no income from Into One for the first 18 months, only some expenses. That's it, no income. And yet we never lacked for anything as God repeatedly, continually worked miracle after miracle of provision for us. Okay, back to the car story. What, that was what I was supposed to be telling you. Our lease is up all right? And we need a vehicle. So, what do we do? We pray. God, please provide the money that we need to arrange for another vehicle. Not very flowery. And I learned a really important lesson here, a good one, a powerful lesson. Maybe you don't see it at first. I didn't see it at first, but I learned it. I learned that I didn't need the money I needed a vehicle. I wanted the money so that I could still choose and still hang on to elements of power and control instead of embracing trust and surrender. And you will find that we regularly battle with issues of power and control. It is a real weakness in humans. You will see it regularly. So instead of getting a suitcase full of money, I was offered a van. I went from what I thought, super fun vehicle that I loved in a beautiful, fun, and sporty red to an older, used van in brown, not just one brown, three browns, but you know what? It ran, and it had great storage in it for moving all of the church gear around that we needed to move at that time. It was what we needed, and honestly, Honestly, it was more than we needed. What do I need and what do I want? There is a difference. So there are three principles we're going to look at today, three principles of uh, miracles for God's provision. These are not the only three. These are just three we're going to talk about. So um, if you're taking notes, here's the first principle. Go ahead, write it down right now. When God provides, he, when God guides, He always provides. Guides, provides. When God is the one who is guiding you, His provision is following you. Isaiah 58, 11, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. When everything around you is barren, the God of the universe is going to provide your needs when you are being led by Him. But understand this, He doesn't provide for your fantasies. He provides for His will. He outfits for His mission. That's what you're getting geared up for, not your imagination. Sometimes those align and they're beautiful, sometimes not. And, and when you're walking in sync with His will and His purpose, His provision will always, always be there. So we work in partnership with the Holy Spirit. That's the way this is set up. So we must stay in step with the Spirit. We live eyes up. 
so that we stay linked and we stay synced. There are times when you might think, God, where are you? God, you know what? I got a mortgage payment. It's due at the same time as my car payment. How am I supposed to do both of them? Where are you, God? Understand something. Is it possible that God has provided for your needs, and yet you took the provision that He provided and you spent it on your wants and then asked Him to cover those too? So I'm going to get up in a little bit in your business today because there's this thing about God's provision. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card for our bad financial decisions. It's just not. I believe that God's calling us back so that He can next step us forward, one at a time, on mission, calling us back to this place of understanding what His promises are and just letting those flow into our lives. Yes, but we have no choice, right? That's just what we have to do. I have no choice. And those are the shoes that we need. Well, I don't not those shoes. Those ones are ugly. Yes, I need to get my nails done. Yes, I need to get my hair done. Seriously, who needs to get their hair done, right? <laughs> who needs that? Yes, I need to buy a coffee three times a day. Well, not that coffee. Yes, we need to upgrade our sports equipment. Yes, we have to go on that trip. Yes, we have to go on that trip. Yes, we should go on that trip with a new car. Yes, we need to. And you fill in the blank. There's a story about uh, a guy named Abraham. Some of you may know this story. Some of you may not. Um, Abraham, his wife Sarah, they ached, longing for one thing, a child, a son. And the son was the promise from God himself. God promised Abraham, you will have this son, and from this son you will become the father of many nations. And so day after day, Abraham and Sarah, they prayed and they waited. Year after year, prayed and waited. Decade after decade, prayed and waited. And finally, the promise comes in the birth of a baby boy, Isaac. Isaac is here, and God puts Abraham to the test. He says, Abraham, I want you to take your son up to the mountain, and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. How long has Abraham waited for this boy? God, you're, why? You want me to take him up to the mountain and sacrifice him? Why? How come? So just imagine the walk up that mountain. Isaac has seen his father sacrifice, worship God before, seen it, been part of it. He's carrying the wood. He knows what's happening. And Isaac asks his daddy, where's the sacrifice, dad? And Abraham responds in Genesis 22, verse 8, God himself will provide the lamb. Let's just keep going. You see that faith? Still going up on the mountain together. They build an altar together, courageously, faithfully. Abraham lays his son on the altar, ties him down, lifts the knife. And now in our culture, you go, none of this makes sense. Whoa, 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 stop the whole thing. That's crazy. You should never do anything like that. No part in our culture. This time, it's a totally different story. And it's really important to understand that God and Abraham have already shared some pretty important time together involving sacrifices. It's not the first time. It started their relationship. The imagery would not have been faded or failed for Abraham. All of God's promises to Abraham came in the midst of a very powerful visual of God sacrificing and promising to fulfill the covenant that He, God, was initiating to Abraham. 
Abraham and God have a sacrificial history. And at that moment, as Abraham's knife goes up, an angel appears and says, don't lay a hand on that boy, for I now know that you respect and trust God. Now, here's where the provision comes in. Verse 13, Genesis chapter 22, Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and he took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Verse 14, so Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. That's Jehovah-Jireh. You've heard that phrase before, that name of God, Jehovah-Jireh, my provider. What do we know? Well, Abraham was fixed. He was focused and he was facilitating the, word of, the will of God. This is what God told me to do. I'm doing it. I'm fixed on it. He answered his son before they even reached the top. I know my God himself will provide the sacrifice. I know it. And what we often struggle with, if we're honest, is not being fixed on God but often being fixated on our lack. And if that's the lens that you're looking through at life, you will see what you will describe as an unfaithful God. He didn't do what I wanted Him to do. When all along, He was being true to His promises. I like to protect God. It's sort of what I do. I I do marketing for Him. I'm in that business, all right? So I sometimes get pulled into doing some spin doctoring for him also. Have you ever done this? You start to feel like you want to protect God's reputation. I got I to hedge something over here. So you adjust the information just a little bit, right? I have done this. This is kind of how my speech went. I absolutely 100% believe that God can provide all that you need beyond all that you ask or can even imagine. I believe that. Here comes my spin. But, right? Do you say that? There it is. But, but it's not like he's going to give you a suitcase full of money, right? God will provide, but not like that. And I've said that so many times in my life, and it's good and it's true. God provides in so many different ways. And let's be honest. The truth here for us is that frequently money is often the really big distraction. It's harder to mess up financially if you're never given the cash, right? If you're just given the lamb, it's a lot easier. If you're just given the van, you don't have to worry. But that's what tempts us to trust in money instead of trusting in God. Money becomes the God in which we trust. That's how we solve our problems. One God, no idols. So mid-December 2010, Into One is still very much in its infancy, still meeting in houses. A man calls me up and says he wants to uh, meet with me. I had been the pastor for his daughter, uh, and so I I know that they were having some challenges with her, and they wanted to talk through, at least that's what I thought. So I agreed to meet. We go to have lunch, and we're uh, we're talking. It's Christian chicken, Swiss chalet, where the Spirit of the Lord resides, even when it's not Sunday. Uh, Finally, he comes around to it, and he tells me he's agonizing. Uh, He starts apologizing to me, and then he starts confessing. So I'm thinking, this meeting is not going the way I thought it was going to go at all. He says, I've been struggling in my spiritual life. I feel my walk has been blocked. And and I think it's because I have not been faithful to God. I made him a promise on my own initiative. I made it a number of years ago. I made a promise to God, and I never fulfilled it. Would you help me fulfill it now? And I'm always a little bit nervous of these completely blind, open-ended questions. I have no idea where they're going. So I say, 
I would love to help you do what it takes for you to get you back in your right, right relationship to God, right? Good. Because I promised God that I would donate some money, but I never did it. Can I invest in you, Graham? Can I invest in into one? And so I'm totally surprised. This has never, ever happened to me before. So I say, sure, no problem. I can help you invest that in some good ministries. And he says, no, I want to invest in you. But here's the catch. Oh, right, there's always a catch, right? I can't give it to you all at once. I need to spread it out over two different fiscal years, so that's better for tax purposes. So it's mid-December. Can I give you some next week and then some more in January? <laughs> if that will help you, sure, no problem, right? The next week, I received a bank draft in my name for more than $11,000. And then another one, same amount, in the January. I used to say, but God is not going to give you a suitcase full of money. And He never has. To this day, He never has given me a suitcase full of money. But the only thing lacking there was the suitcase. I was blown away. Our God is always faithful. And that was just another miracle of God, not for me, but establishing into one. We have been established not by governing documents and carefully crafted strategies and statements. We have been established by numerous miracles, by the God who decided that we would exist. That's why I, I, I say to you, go eyes up. Look at Him. That's why I will continually say that Jesus is the lead pastor of this church. That's why we focus on Jesus, because He worked at it before we did he built it. He continues to build it. He continues to be active in it. And that's why I tell you again and again that the lifestyle of generosity and time, treasure, and talent will draw you closer to the heart of God. Miracles, not just for me, not just for my family, but for our entire church and our church partners, because we believe in the blessings and sharing them around. When we receive, we share also. These become your stories as well. This is in our DNA. There are so many of you who are at church on Main Street right now and also at church online that have felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to say, I feel led to give. I feel led to help. I feel led to provide in some way. And you, you are continuing the mission that God has initiated. And God is the one guiding you. His provision is always there. You're going to have moments where you fear, moments when you freak out, moments when you forget His faithfulness in the past, but His provision is always there so long as He's leading you and you are obeying. When God guides, He provides. Second thing, write this one down too. God miraculously multiplies what is given. It's a miracle how God works. Just blows your mind sometimes when you get to look back and see what happened. Now, sometimes He's going to do miracles all by Himself. He doesn't need you. He never needed you. Sometimes He chooses to work with you. He doesn't need any of us, but sometimes He's going to go ahead and He's going to save Jonah single-handedly. You're drowning. I'm going to send a fish. It's going to swallow you. Seriously, you're going to be fine. See you in Nineveh. 
Sometimes it's the Israelites. They're out in the wilderness, right? And God decides, you know what? Why don't we just go ahead and open up a Panera bread in the sky, start dropping bagels down. Okay, they weren't bagels. It was manna. It's like bread. It's like bagels. Then God sent quail also because they got tired of bread from heaven and they wanted a little variety. But sometimes into one, God wants to build our faith. Sometimes God invites you to be part of his miracle, but you don't know that you're in it at the start. When does he do that? How how does he do that? He simply asks you to trust and to give. And then what does he do? Miraculously, he multiplies what you give. You think about the three stories that we started with. Widow pours out the oil. When did the multiplication happen? Before she poured it or as she poured it? As. When did the loaves and the fish multiply to feed the the, the multitude on the mountainside? Before or as the little boy says, Jesus, here, you can have my lunch. This is a miracle in the adventure of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Please hear this. Do not listen to the things that I'm, I'm saying to you as though I'm telling you, you are going to get rich. I am not saying that. If you, if you give $100 today, you are not going to go outside and find that your 96 Corolla just became a Mercedes G-Wagon. It is not going to happen. Don't think that's the way it will happen. That is not what it's going to happen. This is a miracle of God's multiplication, and it's simply inviting you to be part of that miracle when you don't know the timeline of the miracle. Paul writes to the church in the city of Corinth, chapter 9, verse 10. He says, this generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant toward you. First, he supplies every, he supplies every need, plus more. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it. Now, this verse gets misquoted so much. It is not a promise that you will get more, all right? It's a promise that God will provide more towards his mission than what you started with. If he multiplied it before we sowed it, it wouldn't require any faith at all. There would be no agency for us. We would have such a poor relationship. And through this, we are supposed to be growing our relationship and trust. And the whole point of this is for us to grow in our faith, that our trust in Him would increase. So God multiplies it as we sow it. The principle goes all the way back to the tithe. Some believe that the tithe is part of of the Levitical law. And it was there for sure. But the first example of the tithe was like 400 years prior to God giving Moses the law. And then it was reaffirmed by Jesus in the New Testament. And there are a few things that declare in your own life that God is your trusted provider, like honoring Him with the tithe. Tithe, what is it? Well, this is great because it's a harvest time analogy, and we're in harvest time. As you haul in your crops, your harvest, your efforts for your labor, you divide it up. It's the first tenth of our income. It's the first tenth of our harvest. It's not 10% of your income. It's the first 10% of your income because God is first in all things. Jesus first, everything else after. And in the early years, in the lean years of Into One, in the pre-salary days, there were so many lifestyle choices that we had to make. What would we do without? 
How would we go on without the regular expected schedule of income? What would we now say yes to in our lives? And what would we have to say no to in our lives? And what did we have to say not right now to? Always on our mind. So this is maybe 16 months after Griffin was born. So think February 2010. There's no real hint of into one on the horizon. Maybe the faintest glimpse of something without form showing. Maybe a gleam in the eye. The distant nebulous future. Griffin is lucky number three for us. And we get a letter from the government um, that is clarifying our child-related benefits. It is clarifying two children. Did I mention that Griffin was lucky number three? For some reason, years had gone by and they never processed the paperwork for fabulous Finley. So I'm nervous around government paperwork all the time, and so I phone right away, wait on hold for however long I have to wait, and I tell them, I just need to clarify, correct the paperwork, and the, and, and the person I'm talking to says, so you want to file a grievance and claim retroactive payments? And I say, no, 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 I'm, we're just so happy with the gift of Finley, Finley's amazing, and I just don't want to cause anyone any trouble, I just want you to make sure that you have the correct information for all of my children, I don't want any of them getting deported to the moon or wherever it is that you're sending people who break your paperwork laws. The only way for you to do that is to file retroactive payments, sir. Well, okay, fine. Then that's what we'll do. And then we started the mountains and months of paperwork to process this stuff. And then I kind of forget all about it. And if you understood the times, you'd understand this. There was a whole lot going on in our world in this season. Our world as we knew it was becoming thoroughly unseamed all regular supports that were being torn away. The previous areas of trust are severed. We are in a terrible stage. July hits. We get another letter saying that everything has been approved. Uh, it's all received, all your paperwork's here, and don't worry, at some point, somewhere, sometime in the future, you're going to receive a back payment. Back payment. I go, oh, yay for us. And so we go camping. And by some really cool smile from God, we end up crossing paths with a couple of international workers at the same campground. Cheryl and I have known these folks for years. Amazing people. Just amazing. Inspirational. Their life is, mm. <coughs> but she's very sick. So she had to return to Canada <coughs> for medical reasons. Times are very tight for them financially as well as medically. And so we come home, and I say to Cheryl, you know that money that we're expecting sometime, somewhere in the future, who knows, from the government. You know, I've estimated the value, and I think that we should send what, you know, from my estimates, about half of it. Let's send $1,500 to these international workers. And Cheryl says, great idea. So we write a check, and we send them the money in faith that we will soon receive that money from the government. It's mid-August now. I come across a guy who's great family, and they have been such a blessing to us. Just love them. They were amazing folks. And he just got downsized out of his company, and so he has no work right now. And I go home, and I tell Cheryl, I say, they're in such a rough spot. I think that we should give them the rest of the money that we were expecting. We didn't ever need it. It was always going to be a bonus, so let's give them another $1,500. They really need it. Cheryl says, Great idea. 
We send it. Still no government money. It's now mid-September. I went out and I get the mail. I'm reading all this paperwork stuff, and there is our bank statement. This was before online banking, so you had papers, and you didn't know what happened until it already happened. And I open it up, and I read it. Cheryl glances across the room, and she sees the color drain from my face. She sees the tears silently start to flow. She goes, oh, no. Cram, what's wrong? We, we've had all these bad things. that have, Is this something new? Is this something bad? What's happened? Are you okay? Are we okay? What's going on? And it takes me a while to see clearly again because my eyes are all teared up. And then it takes even longer for me to speak clearly. And I just I show her the bank statement. And I go, look. And she doesn't know what she's looking at. It's just like black lines on paper, right? I don't know. What do, what do you care about? So I point out the transactions. On the same day in August, both of the checks that we had given away were cashed. They were sent more than a month apart, but they were still both cashed on the same exact day, which just so happened to be the same day it shows that the government direct deposit entered our bank account in roughly the numbers that I had anticipated, so something like $3,000, the same day. And I go, what a day. That's unbelievable. I can't believe what's happening. God's favor is unbelievable that it all happened like that. But then the next day, it shows that a second payment was added to our um, direct deposit to double the other amount. That means when we had thought we had given away 100% of the funds we thought were coming, we had actually only given away about 30% of what was actually sent. And the timing here is the big highlight. The timing is the big thing to see, not just my bad, incomplete understanding of what I was going to get. The timing once again reminded me that we are in partnership with God. He knows what's happening. He sees what goes on in our world, in our timeline, and we're working together. And as far as our understanding, when God had, at the perfect time, supplied beyond what we needed, beyond what we expected, and then how He chose to supply it, well, that was secondary. What an amazing summer that was. And I can't tell you the number of times that God's timing has shown up. He multiplied what was given. We were still giving. We were still tithing at a regular pace when, when this was all happening. And this extra giving came because we were prompted by God to give in our weakness and let Him display that He is strong, that He is wise, that He is full of grace, compassion, and understanding. And those were the messages that we were receiving. That has not been every day, but it stands out more when it is not every day. So does God really need my 10%? laughably. No, it's all His, right? Money is simply a tool, a tool that we can work with. What do we know? God has a purpose for your life, and God wants you to know that when you truly get to the point of putting Him first in every area, now you're ready to carry the weight of His calling on your life. And that's why God longs for us to put Him first, because there is freedom in that trust and submission. And from the outside, it doesn't look like freedom. It looks like silliness. Until you experience it, you won't know. Every time you give, you sow a seed. God multiplies it to change the eternity of somebody else. Thought number one, when God guides, He always provides. If we pursue His will, His provision will follow. When God directs our steps, He always puts provision in our path. 
When God guides, He provides. Secondly, God's miraculous, God miraculously multiplies what is given. What you keep, that's all you have. But when you give, God multiplies. Thought number three, and this to me is perhaps the most exciting, and I'm already mixing it up because I already mentioned this before. Number three, you might be part of God's miraculous provision. You might have a role. You might be an answer to someone else's heartfelt longing prayer. This is what Paul told the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. You will be enriched in every way. Why? So that you can have more and more for yourself and you will feel safe and comfortable? No. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Do you realize that when God miraculously provides, you might be part of a miracle story? You might be part of the, the, the miracle that somebody else is feeling hands-on. When you use what God has entrusted to you, you might be a blessing. You might be an answer to someone else's prayer. You might be working in partnership with the Holy Spirit, fulfilling the mission of God Himself. One more way for you to be on mission, watching for everyone, everywhere, and all the time. And I don't know how God might use you. I don't know how He will multiply your generosity, your generosity in time, in treasure, and in talent. I don't have the ability to look into the future to see who specifically is helped or how much it meant to them. But as you are faithful in your generosity, in the way that you live, you will be part of a growing number of lives that have been touched by God that are being touched by God and that are still going to be touched by God. You are part of the process of grace discovery. They are thanking God because you gave. You might be a part of the miraculous provision. You have something that someone needs and you bless them with it. Generosity time, treasure, talent. Generosity is a word of encouragement. Generosity in your prayer. Generosity in a listening ear in a time of need. And they will thank God because of your faithfulness, because God may meet a need in someone else's life through you. Our God miraculously provides. What, what if I don't have enough? What, what, what if I can't make a difference? And here there's a difference between faith and fear. Fear asks, what if I run out? And faith asks, what do I have to give? Fear says, I can't afford that. I can't afford to tithe. And faith says, 90% with God's blessing goes farther than 100% without. Fear says, well, I don't have enough. And faith says, my God is more than enough. You remember. You internalize it. You will not believe it until you experience it. From the outside, if you analyze it, it will not make sense. But when you live in it, you'll be transformed by it. If you are in need, Paul writing a form uh, from a form of prison, he writes, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. He's writing from prison. And in that, his mind has already been transformed. He's not living in the prison of what about me? 
And sometimes our God miraculously will meet a need through you. Kind Father, we thank you that uh, wherever we are, whether we're at Church Online or Church on Main Street, you understand where we are. You understand where we are at physically, but you understand where we are at emotionally and financially and uh, mentally and spiritually. You, you, you know us and you know where we're at. You recognize us. You recognize us even when we're in the depths. There are, there, there are many of you who are in need right now, and I know that. Some of you have someone you love very close to you, and they're in need. Today, I want to ask you, are you one of those people who can identify that you are in need? I mean, is that you right now? Do you want to say to God right now, I'm either in need or I know someone who is, and I am believing for the faithful provision of God? Is that you? I want to pray with you. Father, we thank you for your goodness for your faithfulness, for your miraculous provision. Provide for all those who are in need. For all those that are turning to you, even right now, hear them. Respond to them, I pray. God, I ask that those who tithe for the very first time, that you would prove yourself faithful, that you would transform their minds and help them to see the freedom of trust and submission. Grow trust in us, your children. God, meet needs. Display your grace and mercy. Give us eyes to watch for you to work all around us. And now, God, I pray for those all of a sudden who recognize that they, they have more than they need in some area of, of, our, of our lives. God, I ask that you would also have the blessing of being an answer to, to prayer for someone else who is in need. God, God prompt us when, when we can be part of your miraculous provision story in the life of someone who is in need. God, please use us, not as elements, but as partners. Show us what we have. Give us faith and not fear to be part of your miraculous provision stories. Continue to work in us and through us, both now and throughout these next days. Give us the courage to take a next step in pursuit of you, Jesus. We long to draw closer to you and see you active in our lives and in this world around us. Move now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.